0: four Hi. hello <laughs> welcome to street talk how Ryan glass beagle is the other voice you're hearing how is my audio Ryan because I'm in a strange place doing this you know your
1: is audios fine how is mine I'm also in a strange place I'm in a hotel lobby
0: uh, your audio is crystal clear I am in a car right now outside my house um, Ethan on
1: the car phone first on the car time.
0: phone on the car phone and la mirinda um it's because I'm try. I try not to do too much kid talk I feel like people proud this when they do it but my son has broken the lock on his bedroom somehow we were waiting for- out so I am hiding from my son right now while doing the show Ryan <laughs>
1: Um, you cut in and out there, but I got the end that you're hiding after a broken lock. So what do we say we jump right into this NBA Raf vaccine mandate controversy <laughs> story? You want to start with that one on, on the old mental PTI scroll? I think that one is where we start because that's the freshest, newest story. Even if it's an archetype we've talked about several times,
0: I suppose so. I mean, I don't know if the people of Substack are going to be happy about my article on Adam Silver banning locker room access getting bounced to later. But put that down in the old uh, in the old PTI scroll, folks. We're going to talk about that later on. We're going to talk about so we're going to talk about debanking down the line we might even talk about ukraine it might get crazy but
1: first, the the debanking is undoubtedly going to be like the sexiest topic we've ever had that's like 1996 carbon electra for this call in (laughs) segment i can't
0: joking or not but i would be interested to hear your takes because i know you've got them well let's start out with old kenny mauer now some of you on this call might not be rabid nba fans um for those who are not For those listening who are not Ken Maurer, uh, I think is the most prominent active now in quotations, NBA referee. Um, I used to always joke about because he looks like a mobster out of San Casting. He's got the (laughs) slicked back hair. Uh, I always said after the, like he gambling scandal, they needed to come to Kenny Maurer and, and just tell him to change the hair. You know, it's the look that's a problem for them, but this is a funny story to me, Ryan. So, Jason Whitlock uh, had Ken Maurer on his podcast breaking the news that he has been effectively forced out of the NBA 36 year career because he is refusing to take the vaccine. Now, we can go a variety of directions here. But the craziest thing to me is I was talking to one of uh, I was talking to somebody who who knows things, uh, big media presence in the NBA. He didn't know that Maurer had been forced out. Nobody knew somehow this is breaking news. And I know he's not the most famous guy in the world, but if you're an NBA fan, you know, this man's face. Uh, What do you make of, first of all, how it's just been so quiet regarding what has happened here. And then what do you make of what has happened here?
1: Right. This, this is a guy who has officiated the third most games in NBA history behind um, Joey Crawford and Dick Pavetta, and I guess, like, conceivably could have passed them. So, you know, NBA referees, the best ones are the ones that are anonymous, but this guy has um, really, like, you know, distinguished himself in that career. And it it is wild that nobody noticed, because you would have to think that this has been going on all season, right? Oh, Ethan is muted. Oh, he's back. I'm back. I'm
0: back. Yeah. I think it might be a little similar to the Leah Thomas and that the media hive mind has a sense of what stories uh, might be good for the narrative and what stories might be bad for the narrative. If I would offer a theory, it would be this. I think when Kyrie Irving was initially refusing the vaccine, there was a lot more confidence in the vaccine as this uh, magic bullet And a lot more moral confidence in castigating anyone who would suffer career consequences by refusing it. Um, So everybody was dumping on Kyrie. But you fast forward a few months and, hey, it seems that the vaccine still uh, curbs uh, hospitalization and death. Thank God. And that's great. But it doesn't seem to be the bulwark against transmission that it was perhaps sold as, especially in the case of the Omicron variant, uh, a variant that I think you caught despite being vaccinated and that I caught despite being vaccinated. Um, and so it's a little tougher right now to justify why we're dumping on these people if they refuse it. Now, you'll still see that if you go to the TMZ story about this, if you go to the, uh, the tweet about it, you'll see a bunch of quote tweets of people ripping on, uh, Ken Maurer. Now, you, you might've his...
1: also seen that when I practiced my argument at dinner.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> um, but you know, his argument's interesting. It's. He is a he is a committed Catholic. Uh and he was saying this on Whitlock's program that there is fetal tissue used in the vaccine. Now I looked this up. I don't know much about this He said from am,
1: from abortions.
0: Yes, yes, aborted fetal tissue. I'm sorry. Aborted fetal tissue. That that's a key word. <laughs> it is, Not I think I, I suppose. I suppose it is a keyword. I mean, I don't know how you get the tissue without I mean, it would be kind of crazy if you got it without that, but that's a whole other conversation. Um so I looked this up and it's it's the cell line, it's the boarded uh, fetal tissue cell line from decades ago, maybe 50 years back. Uh, I looked at it, I thought there's no way I can possibly adjudicate what is true and what isn't at this point and what is morally just, but It it doesn't seem to be an easily dismissible argument from a religious perspective if you happen to be uh, the kind of Catholic that he is now the Pope has uh, been pro vaccine other Catholics disagree, but he applied for a religious exemption I guess uh, he did not win that, Um, but I guess the main point I'm making is this. I just don't know what purpose we're serving at this point with these, uh, with these bans on unemployment. It just doesn't seem like it's getting the country back in the proper direction. I know people get frustrated. I know they say, Hey, why don't you just do it? We're at the point where everybody who everybody's going to get it has gotten it. And it just seems like we need to be able to perhaps, perhaps just, you know, scale back the restrictions. We don't need to ban referees. We don't need to ban Kyrie Irving from playing home games. Or am I crazy, Ryan?
1: I mean, I agree with you, but if you had practiced this argument at dinner, you would have been told you're crazy, we're in a pandemic, Um, that this does um, lower, the vaccines do lower the spread, even if they don't totally stop it. But no, I agree with you because I think that... um, First of all, I feel like fundamentally uncomfortable mandating that people jab themselves with a chemical in their body, even if it is for their own good. That's number one. But number two, I mean, Adam Silver came out this week and ripped the New York mandate for being silly, like saying that um, it's ridiculous that road players can play at the Barclays Center but Kyrie Irving can't, and he asks the city to change it. Chicago, actually, is getting rid of their uh, vaccine mandate at the end of this month, which, like, we knew masks were going to go away, but it's honestly a stutter to me as someone who lives there and has seen how forcefully they've been really pushing this to see them take that mandate away. And so it's really going to turn... I think, in the country to be these mandates are going to be a little bit anachronistic already.
0: Yeah, New York seems to be a holdout and part of the issue, because I know people who would make that argument at dinner, um, I have family members like that, where it's tough shit, you know, you get fired if you don't get it, but it does represent uh, there was that great Lions uh, sub-stack piece on the big division between as he framed it the virtuals versus the physicals. And he was pointing to the trucker protest as an example, because we often say elites versus the working class. And it doesn't completely tell the story because is a, you know, is somebody making $60,000 uh, with a zoom job, really an elite, not, not, not necessarily, but what they are is a the virtual. They, they work in the virtual I feel space. Yeah, I know me too. I'm a virtual. We are both virtuals. Uh, we are virtual uh, vaccine takers. Now, it seems with the trucker protest, it was a reminder that the physicals actually do have a lot of power, even if they are unseen often by the virtuals. So I'll have these conversations and I'll say, I don't know about these mandates for, for, you know, having a job and the response will be tough shit, you know, so what, you get fired. And what I try to tell them is, yeah, there are certain industries where we can't afford for that to happen. We can't afford for 10% of people to stop working in certain industries. Other industries, maybe we're fine. You know, we love our fellow uh, sports media people. But frankly, if, you know, 10% <laughs> of us just stopped working, I think the world will just keep spinning. If 10%, 10% of
1: NBA refs as well.
0: <laughs> 10% of NBA refs as well. That is true. Although... I got to say experience does matter in that profession and not having a Ken Maurer, you know, you'll see
1: what happens in an NBA finals
0: situation, potentially, but point taken. Um, Did did
1: he submarine himself now by coming out like this when they might've quietly let him back relatively soon. And now there's no way because like the way that he went about this, like kind of going to Jason Whitlock, who I used to be a colleague with and I, um, he, he was a great colleague for me, but he's not somebody who is like the NBA is going to like take yeah. going to that platform as like an olive branch. Um,
0: so. Yeah, I, I'm polishing off my take that uh, Ken Maurer is the white conservative. Brian Flores uh, is the take that I will uh, that respond to there. But to complete the, the take before, if 10 percent of the Amazon workforce stopped showing up because of a mandate, there would be severe economic consequences in the United States, which is maybe why Amazon did not have a vaccine mandate, unlike Disney, for instance, which did. And I think was her name, Allison Williams, the the reporter yeah. that they fired. Yeah, that, but that 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 one's crazy too. I think, and nobody wants to say it's crazy, but I think she had a pregnancy, and you know Ken Maurer too, perfect health. I mean, credit to Ken Maurer uh loan sharking or whatever he does on the side has seemed to burn a lot of calories for him in addition to all the miles he ran as a ref and so hey i i can't say anything about the decision making process there and it might be strange to me but it just seems needless and i, well, I agree I'm with sure you wanted to yeah. do it
1: to the players but the union pushed back like the we don't know, other than Kyrie and um, that player of the Magic, Jonathan Isaac, I think his name is. Yeah. Other than those two, we don't know the identity of the unvaccinated NBA hey, it's, players. It's, it's
0: 99%, be. Ryan. It is 105% of players uh, are fully vaccinated. and if you There's got to be, what,
1: like two dozen who aren't?
0: I'm, the I'm joking like because that, it's right? bullshit, and I, I hear things. There, there are a lot. There, there, let's just say there are exceptions. There are exceptions out there. And maybe this is similar to uh, the Kyrie situation where maybe Kyrie could have quietly, uh, quietly just gone about his way without being forced to do anything, but he preferred to be out and about with it as does apparently Ken Maurer, who wants to be uh, representing his position, regardless of the professional consequences. Because I'm with you. I think at a certain point, quietly things would have opened up and we would have scaled back on the mandates.
1: Well, it's weird because the the nba probably did this at the behest of the government like there was like the law that if you have x amount of employees you have to do it and i don't know whether it hold held up or not but clearly it didn't if amazon didn't make people get it but i think the nba was like following and it's also you know it's a huge pain when you're operating in 30 one or thirty two or and 30 distinct marketplaces. And so like, I don't know, Ken Maurer probably can't do games in Toronto, for example, mm. you know? And so yeah. I, I, I heard about this, like WWE. I reported that when Nia Jax was released, she was one of, um, she was in a big group of people who got released, but she was a really surprising name because she's been a women's champion and she's like at least nominally related to the rock but one Mm. of the reasons that she was released was that she didn't have the vaccine and they're going all over the world. And it's just like such a gigantic pain in the ass, unless somebody's like essential for you to deal with that in all the cities that you go to. So I, I mean, I just, I I do feel icky about it. And I think that he probably would have been back a few weeks from now, but now by coming out public, it probably, I would guess, ended his refereeing career with the NBA.
0: I would. I mean, he, he might have a delightful Fox News show as kind of a, a ref who who has a ruling on, on certain topics of the day. I found him to be an impressive interlocutor for for Whitlock uh, when I listened to it. Um, and I, I, I found myself fascinated just because these refs, you don't know much about them. The NBA keeps them hidden. I would sometimes see Monty McCutcheon back in the day in his crazy zoot suits that he would wear, and there was a, hey, how you doing? But they are, even more so than NBA media people, they're like carnies. They just live this life apart on the road. Um, and it's a very odd existence. And Maurer in the interview was saying that he couldn't lead a normal life, so he had to uh, put off marriage until he was 51. Um, and Well, I, I hadn't
1: thought yeah. of that, because the, the players... They're on the road all the time, but they have a whole base where they are half the time. That's not true with the officials.
0: Yeah, the officials are... I mean, the the whole official subculture, they all come out of Philadelphia. It it might be a little bit shady. They're known to kind of chase skirts a lot on the road. I know there's more of a gender split now than there was in the past. Um, They are uh, quite the um, life apart. And so... Any sort of insight. I I found myself listening to the interview, um, just just leaning into that, wanting to know who is this guy and what what is he about? And here's another challenge I would put to the media as as we discuss uh, sometimes, because uh, I was asked to go on Whitlock show and I I went on um, and it was pretty non ideological conversation. Uh, People can have their criticisms of Jason Whitlock, but this is a legitimate story and you're not seeing it elsewhere in media. I just checked the NBA ESPN section. I didn't see anything on it. Maybe I missed it. And so you can hear how they want compl- to
1: credit him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. You know, it is not surprising. But the point I'm making is this, is that if you don't cover legitimate stories, if you don't cover topics of interest you can't really whine at people for uh going there as an audience or even just as uh somebody who's going as a guest at least in my opinion
1: well yeah and you know it took five minutes for him to post the video and someone to like snitch tweet you to <laughs> Amino Hassan and Tom Haberstroh being like hey why is your guy talking to Whitlock
0: <laughs> and the answer is because he asked I mean I uh <laughs> And it's, 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 you know, that's simple. I don't know. I'm trying to think like, what is my hit rate on, uh, on interviews? I think maybe I do 99% of them when I'm asked, I I believe, but yeah, I, uh, I don't really feel any sort of need to justify it. Um, I, or rationalize it just because I have such a low opinion of prestige media right now. And I would say to them, look in the mirror. You know, you cannot possibly at this juncture be judging people for going outside your little crew. You know, you need to demonstrate, uh, you need to do better. You need to earn more trust. At least, I know sports is a bit different. It's not as serious, but that's just generally how I how I feel these days. There's such an effort to stigmatize people uh, who go outside of the... I don't even know. We might call them prestige outlets or just general blue statey opinion. And it's, you know, you're bad if you, you know, if you share an opinion with somebody from outside of it. And I would have a different I would have a different take on this if things were going so well in those in those spheres is my, you know, what we have said on this podcast. I don't think either of us are very ideological. I think we would have different opinions politically if things were going better in blue world but things are not going very well in blue world and so that informs a lot of our criticisms
1: yeah and we both live in like hard blue worlds where things have like really i don't know for lack of a better word deteriorated over the last two years
0: yep Yep. I mean that's that's the thing. I would say, hey, your gods have failed. I mean that's I'll I'll be more cowed uh when they you know, when, when things get better. If things were like two thousand wow, two thousand thirteen in Blue World where it was going pretty well, especially uh compared to Red World, uh maybe I'm a little more cowed. But the but here's the thing. Here's the thing, Ryan, and here's the segue right here. It's difficult to tell me what to do right now because I'm making good money off the Substack, and I have no boss, but for this scary thing on the horizon that you want to talk about called debanking, it's the only thing that could <laughs> potentially shoot a hole in my sail as I sail off into freedom. So, yeah.
1: Um, so the w- once more, we're on this like vaccine mandate thing, uh, which we don't need to go rehash again, but the Canadian truckers are protesting it. Just like you don't buy that 99% of NBA players are fully vaccinated. I'm, shall we say, skeptical of the amount that's being presented of Canadian truckers where we're being told mm. it's 90% of them. Uh, if we found out that it was like, I don't know, 65%, I don't think you or I would be astonished.
0: But I just spat out my food that was trucked here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they So um it they really the the canadian government really just couldn't remove them um although what i don't understand was if they're blocking like essential streets and stuff just arrest them put them in jail for whatever like the laws say and then that's their punishment this debanking thing Feels like something that like the mafia or a third world country yeah. would do, which is just flat out segregating and de-platforming them from their whole lives. Making it so you can't buy like a cup of coffee on a debit card for an indefinite amount of time under this like emergency provision that allows like Justin Trudeau to be like Chairman G. And so it, I, I, I'm I, really scared, regardless of how you feel about these, like, truckers and the merits of their protests, that somebody who, that a group get, who's carrying out nonviolent protests can just be um, totally de from the banking system like this. And this is, like, very scary because yeah. it, it's not just, like always going to be your political opponent who is at odds with the government like we just saw donald trump get elected democratically in america and people lost their minds for four years you have to imagine a donald trump having the power to take people who are protesting him and just take away their money like if that doesn't scare the hell out of people i don't know what to tell you
0: Yeah, it's a very uh, terrifying form of soft totalitarianism. And look, you know, the government sometimes will seize your funds, but usually there's some sort of due process involved. And in Canada, it seems to be a little loosey goosey there and maybe a bit of a blueprint and maybe I'm no legal scholar, but. It's the type of thing that we don't have constitutional, firm constitutional protections against, because who could have ever conceived of such a thing back then? You know, I don't know if the technology existed, but you know, I, I, we should have JF out of Canada. We should call him to the floor, and anybody else who wants to ask questions. Although I, I'm worried, I don't want to get him debanked, but we'll we'll, we'll put JF on and see uh, how risque it gets. Let's see. Make him next caller.
2: Hey guys! Hi. Hey. Uh, so yes, and I, I do want to touch on the vaccine mandate uh, a little bit because uh, I do have some sort of experience or, or view into that world. Uh, I was a venture capitalist before, and I was a institutional uh, VC. So I was the LP investing into venture capital funds, right? So we were uh, sector agnostic, uh, but part and so part of our. Um, capital plan was to invest in biotech. So about 20% of our money went into uh, biotech VCs. Uh, it's, it's a very small part of the industry because these cycles, uh, investment cycles are so much longer than technology. And, and this is why I was a little bit vaccine hesitant myself, because we were investing in some of the best uh, you know biotech VCs, life science VCs in the world, like absolutely phenomenal, like just absolute geniuses. And of course, they were working with the best researchers in the world on drug development and drug discovery. And the cycle time for them to get something to market was about, you know, 10 to 15 years. And that's why I said it was very unattractive in the VC market, because you'd want to fund under 10 years. Uh, So the fact that they did this drug development release in a year, they didn't go through all the, uh, the typical clinical trials, they basically skipped phase three, which is quite long. It has a 50% fail rate. Uh, you know, it can still be effective, but the reason why there was such a strong narrative to get this and it won't spread is because they didn't have that long-term, you know, uh, third stage of the clinical trial to know, you know, that it'd lose our efficacy uh, over, you know, six months or whatever. Mm. Uh, so, so that's why, you know, the, they were so, uh, you know... Uh, there was such an enormous effort to say, get this, get this now, because they didn't even know if they didn't have the data to even realize what was going to happen uh, a year from now or six months from from then. Uh, so that's why it's absolutely ridiculous. And they should change. They do have the data. You know, if they're following the science, it is to kind of drop these mandates and move on. As, as yeah. for the the debanking thing, uh, it's absolutely wild. Like my friends are uh, freaking out, you know, some some of them donate to the convoy and, uh, and even crypto, there was, you know, reports this morning that, <clears throat> and, and I mentioned this last week when I was uh, talking, all the <clears throat> um, crypto platforms that advertise in Super Bowl, they're all regulated by, you know, the governments, right? So they've already yeah. frozen 3.8 million in digital assets. And they mm. even sent it. And there was a letter from uh, the Coinbase comms team. That from the Canadian government saying, do not tell your users to off-chain uh, their money, their digital assets, right? Because you can take it off their platform mm. and, you know, put it in a cold wallet. Yeah. And, and they've acknowledged this. And this is absolutely, like, stunning that they're getting to that level of kind of control over the money where they're saying, don't, like, take your money out of the bank, essentially – and, you know, put in a safe at home. We need to have access to, and to control that. And the the tone and rhetoric coming from the MPs in Trudeau's party has been incredibly draconian and harsh, right? Where, you know, they're saying, oh, if you're yeah. part of that convoy, like, you know, we're coming after you, right? There was, there's, they're not even missing words. And they even say it, you know, politically, like if you're with this pro-Trump movement, which is the ultimate straw man, right? Because everyone, most of the people who are supportive are you know doing it because they're just sick with the the regulations uh, that are ruining people's lives? Uh, it Has nothing to do with the you know the JF, right ideologies.
0: So JF, um, I uh, you're breaking up a little bit, but I want to get one question in there. Um, so the is the protest over? Because I find it this is another issue that Ryan and I are having. I find it very difficult to trust almost any information source on what's happening uh, in Canada. Um, It it seems chaotic. Uh, It seems like, I mean, geez, uh, the main media source is state television effectively. And then there are these ideological uh, sources that are on the other side. And it, it gets very anecdotal. You know, you see a police officer beating somebody and you don't know how prevalent is that? What's the whole context? So, What's the state of things right now, J.F.? Uh, our, our, uh, yes. Not an honorary Canadian, but senior Canadian for this whole so it, podcast.
2: And and there's a great point that Ryan made about, you know, blocking streets. Wellington, first of all, Ottawa, downtown Ottawa is a total ghost town right now because 80% of the office space is abandoned from government workers just not coming back to the office, right? And there's no immediate need for them to return to those buildings. And the federal government doesn't even want them returned. They're, you know, so... Uh, and they were blocking Wellington Street, which is the street that crosses Parliament Hill. It's not a critical piece of infrastructure in Ottawa. It's, it's, it's not even close to being the main artery downtown. So it was a totally like sectioned part off of downtown that didn't really impact anything in Ottawa at all. It didn't block any business. Um, but as for the media, you're absolutely right. Uh, like I said, it's very hard for Canadian media to survive in its own because, uh, you know, it, the access to American media is just as easy and may not better, right? And so what's interesting is, so A, the Trudeau government is subsidizing them. They're ba- they bailed them out several times. And something that they're pushing forward is this internet censorship bill, which basically gives them control over, basically over, uh, you know, Google's algorithm and Apple's algorithm to basically push up Canadian news in the algorithm to be feeding Canadian stories rather than, you know, the New York Post or New York Times version of the story. Right? <laughs> that that their algorithm is pushing out. So this mm. is hugely beneficial for um, uh, these Canadian media companies. But, <clears throat> uh, of course, uh, everyone is scared with this internet regulation bill. And <laughs> and yeah, that- you, have, you have to
1: imagine that, like, uh, a Trump comes in power in Canada and then they have all of this power. Like, I don't understand this idea that the yeah. left has all over the Western world that they're going to be in power forever.
0: Yeah, the tools of your enemies can be used against you. I think maybe it's because it's gotten so sort. Not not with a D, but with a T. That there's a sense of well, the media is going to be on our side forever, and so that's a form of soft power uh, that we're just going to always have, and we'll be able to implement our vision. But it's got very it's gotten very strange. I mean, it's slightly different, but in my home state of California, Gavin Newsom is doing a taxpayer funded uh unit uh to fight misinformation. It, it's getting. It's getting odd. I don't know if it maps on necessarily to any of the historical reference points that people jump to, but it doesn't seem like a good direction uh, is is my assessment. Um, so, Ryan, do you, do you want to discuss at all the banning of locker room access or do you want to take some, uh, some Let, more Let's take
1: some answer. more calls because we've got a few, but we'll, we'll discuss that eventually.
0: Okay, let's get the uh, champion caller Yu Yang. Yu Yang. Hey, hello the hello hello
3: i yeah, I think that's a nice description. thank you. I don't know if I'm champion of anything you know, but just the most the most times calling right um nah, man, I we say, appreciate it uh, no uh, thank you i I appreciate it I appreciate it uh you and you too ryan i lo- I love <laughs> you both um so, thank you, you. Know What I, I just want to start by saying i I really loved your article today about Adam silver and about that line with uh with Scott Styles. thank you. You know, that line, I don't know where he got it from, but it made me laugh so hard. I had to read it like a few times about how, like, you know, I'm just going to quote it, you know, on the one hand, we have $8 billion for broadcast partners. On the other hand, we have Scott Skiles. (laughs) I I mean, I I love
0: that line too. I'll set the stage for that. That was was the annual coaches meeting in Chicago. And David Stern was introducing how the national broadcasters were going to have – TV cameras in the locker room. That was a big deal. It hadn't been done before. And so Scott Skiles raised his hand and he said, he said, hey, you know, um, no, no disrespect, David, but the locker room's kind of like my sacred space. And uh, I'll just reenact it how it was told to me by a few sources. You know, I I wasn't there, but, you know, so uh, David Stern goes, Oh, sacred space, sacred space. You know, um, well, on the one hand, we've got, (laughs) $8 $8 billion from our broadcast partners. And on the other hand, we've got Scott fucking Skull. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck down. I want to hear another fucking word out of you. That's that's basically how the interaction went. And I'm sorry if I was a little bit loud and reenacting it. Okay.
1: <laughs> uh, so si- since since he brought this up, uh, my knee jerk on this, and you you can get into much more of this, but my knee jerk when they pass this thing is that the writers are going to just the, the, the like second derivative of this is writers are going to feel a lot more comfortable ripping players because they're never going to have to face them over like things mm. that, they write that are unflattering. Like, so all these people who like became big on TV, like, um, Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith, Jay Mariotti, etc. They got big by being like the personalities they are on TV at their local newspaper, and so they might write something like incredibly critical of a player, but then they would get be there to face them and deal with any fallout from it in the locker room. And if you remove the like yeah. that, like kind of scariness of that interaction from the process. You're going to get a lot more local writers feeling comfortable writing how they truly
0: feel. Right, right. The, I like that take. Um, and I mean, and uh, uh, you do you have any more questions? By the way, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, before,
3: yeah I, I, okay, got a quick sorry, I'm, I'm getting I, all I flustered question. in my car. No,
0: no, no, no. Let, no, no, let no, me, let no. me, let me riff. Let me riff. Let me riff. I'm getting flustered oh, go, go in the car. Go for it, go for it. Um. I would get frustrated with NBA Twitter people sometimes. I'm just being honest about my own emotions on it. Just because we are not the same. You know, we are not the same. You criticize people on Twitter. I get it. Somebody might not like it, whatever. I've got to actually face somebody who's seven feet tall and screaming at me in person, in real life. Uh, It's what you're saying, Ryan. It changes the calculus. It changes it. So, yes. But you Yang, yeah. you're, you're saying. Oh,
3: let, let, me get, let me get back to my question, okay? Because uh, I know today the news is about, you know, like the referee, you know, um, I think Maurer, like, you know, not getting the, the vaccine, right? And that's like all over the news. And I, I want to ask you guys, I because I have this kind of idea, but I want to ask you guys your, your thoughts on my take. So that's my question, right? What, you, what do you think about my take, you know? My question is mm-hmm. like, is, is there some kind of connection, right, between how players treat referees, right? And how... Uh, regular Americans uh, treat the police because I think, I think there's a mm. lot of similarities between the two and I think it's like it's built into the culture like for example right in the, in the NBA we accept the fact that uh, players are allowed to yell at the refs like I know they can get texts right but it even goes down to like little league baseball you see like parents yelling at the refs when they make the wrong call and is there any connection between you like it's just built into the like American culture oh, this is freedom I'm not, yeah, I'm not
0: well versed enough in other cultures, but I guess to what you're saying, it, it's easy for me for me to imagine and I'm gonna yeah. Uh, it's easy for me to imagine different countries where you just accept what the ref says. I mean, I think something like that exists, and I guess I've just taken it for granted that you can yell at the refs, Ryan.
1: <laughs> no, I'm sure that it exists in some places. Uh no, I agree with what Yu Yang is saying in the sense that it's a thankless job, albeit, at the highest levels, pretty well compensated.
0: Yeah, I would say so. Um, let's take a question from Wynne. Win, Wynne. Win. Sorry about that. Sorry, I've hit the
4: unmute. Oh, good. Um, so, uh, Ryan, your point about the, the journalist not wanting to – I don't really – I mean, something I don't really understand is how sports journalists would not be itching, like, so hard to get back in a locker room. I mean, I don't, you know, and this is kind of when I go back to the kind of Rogers thing, but I don't know how you see someone like Pat McAvee who can run a podcast five days a week, get every single high-profile player on, and half of these journalists just want to do kind of all of this depersonalized, you know, Kind of stuff from from their laptops I think that's like a long term strategy. And so, you know, I, I'm just I'm very I'm very interested in kind of the psyche of like, you know, the kind of industry these days. And and you know, I don't know hmm. how long this COVID specter is going to be. But I mean, you know, to the extent that Silver is serious about, it, well, we don't really know if we need this this much access in the locker rooms. And there are players that don't like the journalists anyway. I mean, I'm I'm just I'm not sure what's 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 going to kind of happen with that. So
0: I'm interested. Um, I think you should be trying to normalize. Yeah, Ryan, your take. And then we've got a special guest caller.
1: (laughs) I was going to kind of paraphrase your take, but like Ethan made the point where, so most of these journalists aren't Pat McAfee. They don't have a live stream where tens of thousands of people are watching every minute that it's on, and they don't have the call to personality that he does. In the sense that, like Aaron Rodgers or any number of other big names, are going to just hop on there and speak to them, there might only—I mean—I think the only play, the only person who in the media who didn't play sports who can consistently land top names, I think, right now is Colin Cowherd. Like, I don't. There aren't really other people getting names of that magnitude that he and McAfee are getting. Uh, I guess Dan Patrick as well. So those three. Yeah. But uh, the like Ethan was saying that it, it's like the most efficient way for a journalist to talk to several players in under 10 minutes and be able to stitch that together into something that is cohesive and a value add narrative to the um, closest following fans. And I think that, What he probably thinks, and he can answer to this himself, is that by stopping um, this type of story gathering, that Adam Silver might not care about these stories getting out there or not on a granular local level, but he's making a long-term mistake by cutting off this ability for the most engaged fans to learn more from what comes out of it.
0: Yes, I think that's that's well said and does does anybody want to hear from a 7-footer who has been angry at me in a locker room? Uh does anybody want to hear that? Is that when anybody wants to hear? Okay, we'll uh call him up to the podium. Hello, hello. One Andrew Boget,
5: are you there? Yes, can you hear me, guys? Yes. We can well, hear
6: just, you. I, first of all, I I just wanted to join the call in cuz Strauss doesn't return my calls anymore because He's, he's making millions from his sub stack, so I just thought this would be a great way to actually have him answer one of my questions.
5: Man, I can't believe it's, it's big six time figures, not like seven.
6: Oh, he's big time now. Like Ever since he's, he's working for himself, he's just forgotten about the regular man, you know? <laughs> I see myself is, as a
0: populist pirate.
5: My question is Ethan, when you used to stand in the Warriors' locker room and not ask anybody a question, Rumors. There's some rumors out there that said you had a had a tape recorder, a la Darren Ehrman rolling at all times in the locker room. Can you confirm or deny this rumor?
0: <laughs> this rumor you just invented? Um I wish I had been that clever. You know, I wish I had been clever enough to bug the locker room. I sometimes thought about it. I sometimes thought after Ehrman did it, I thought what would go into it? What would the operation be? Could it be done? You know? But I'm just not that tech-savvy, Andrew, so I never uh, bothered to try it, so that's why I had to sheepishly approach NBA players and do the whole fucking awkward song and dance. Andrew, did you ever get like a sense of how uncomfortable media people felt uh, walking up to you, kind of like walking up to a girl in a bar because your buddies dared you to talk to her?
6: Sometimes, look...
5: I've followed a little bit what you wrote about um, and I'll give you a player's perspective. I I have no issue with it. I think the, um, the timing is a bit sus. Like we we had, you know, we had guys a lot of times naked or half naked still when the media came in. So I I think they definitely need to change how soon the media comes in. Um, As a matter of fact, I had a teammate uh, (laughs) in, In the Detroit locker room, Ethan, I don't know if you remember that one at the old old palace before they renovated it, it was about the size of a shoebox, a player came out of the shower with his pipe hanging between his legs, was actually on the broadcast, <laughs> actually on the broadcast. So that's an example of how the media's come coming in too soon. Um, look, there's, there's a mix. There's, there's some, as you know, Ethan, there's some journalists slash bloggers that come in and don't ask a single question and just stand in the locker room that's awkward very very awkward and they they yeah. kind of ruin it for everybody you know that you know they're fanboying i saw i saw a reporter from China of all places asked there for a selfie one time so you have got that whole thing i think the nba were handing out accreditations like it was it was candy at one point and i think that ruined it for very the utmost professionals like yourself Ethan, that just want to come and you know write write a nice yarn I think it ruined it for those kind of you know journalists that were doing it the right way um because it just became a shit show so I understand it from a player's point of view where some players are a bit reserved but look at the end of the day the medias helped build the game to where it is and I think um there's a lot of good stories in that locker room, but some players do get a little skeptical about you know, journalists eavesdropping on on conversations. Um, there's a lot of things said. Believe it or not, mm. LeBron James, LeBron James's locker room talk might have just been a little bit of a porcupine. Might have been a bit of a fib because the locker rooms I've been in, there was a lot of locker room talk, and if, if some of that stuff got out, it'd be uh, there'd be a lot of problems for people's uh, financial well-being, uh, relationships, and, and X, Y, Z. So that's my take. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, do you do you buy my premise that their main annoyance with the media isn't the nudity? They might not like that. They might not like the media being present while they're changing, though. You know, guys change with the towel and whatever. It's that the media might eavesdrop, as you're saying. It's more so that, would you just mention that they might blast out something they're not supposed to? Because I, I, when I was in the locker room, didn't hear too many complaints about. I'm changing in the medias around. It was more the police are here. 5 is here. 5 is here. Um, that you know, would, that have kind of especially would have been with Andre. Some of the, to, yeah.
1: Especially <laughs> with some of the media members there are now. Like, think of how many retweets um, someone from, like, I don't know, the Athletic or something could get by saying, um, oh, LeBron James said the to use Ethan's word, the wrong F word. Yes. Or Hmm. with Andre, somebody who says crazy shit
0: and you have to understand that sometimes sometimes he's joking (laughs) and this isn't worth causing an international news story because he said something that was intentionally provocative and has nothing to do with the story. Um, You know, if you're not experienced, you might run with that. Uh, like the time that Andre told that reporter from China that the only way to stop the Warriors was to go to the shooting range and practice uh, with your guns because killing us all was literally the only way that that the Warriors could be stopped.
6: <laughs> yeah, um,
5: I think the nudity thing. I think that's an easy fix. I think you know if that was the excuse, you just I think you further delay the entry maybe by another ten fifteen minutes and give guys enough time because. There were times where it was happening too often. I think it's a valid excuse to use. Um, but I, d- I definitely think... We had a, we had an instance, I think, in Utah where that happened. Um, Dowsett. Uh, ben it. There you go. You know the name. Yeah, he, he leaked something well, that was the conversation between Steph or Clay or Draymond or someone. And and it was just like, number one, you don't do that because you don't know the context of the conversation. Like you said, if someone leaked half of what Iguodala said, that, that that man would be you know canceled for the rest of his life but you know the context of him he likes to mess with people he likes to say things that are on on the borderline just to see your reaction he might not mean it or be serious but you got to know his personality and that's the problem in a locker room right someone could hear two sentences of a conversation between me and 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 harrison or we've got a running joke about something using a certain name for something and then they're like oh they they use an epithet or whatever and it's that's the problem, and I think that is a valid concern, Ethan. I think it is. I don't think it's as big as they make out, but they just should, they should just admit it. If, if that is the reason why you're kicking people, you know, you don't want me in the locker room, Adam Silver, just admit it, that's the reason. It's not that big, it, of, that's big a of a deal. That's a
0: tough thing for Adam to admit, that the problem is that if people see or hear what our players are saying – it will completely shatter the image that we're trying to broadcast to the world. I mean, that's a difficult thing for him to, to say. Uh, maybe you could find the right euphemisms, but that is the situation, yes?
1: Is, is there somewhere, is there like another room that they could have be a common area of players that are dressed? and media to interact in that is Mm. maybe not as, like, raw emotion of a post-game locker room, but also a lot more um, ability to have, like, individualistic conversations than a Zoom with all your competitors on it.
0: Yeah, it's the place we got kicked out of. It's the hallway outside of the family room where people used to hang out back in the day until they got mad at LeVar Ball. Um, and and said no more media anywhere close to where the family members hang out.
5: Ryan, Ryan, I mentioned that exact thing yesterday to Ethan, and he slapped it out of the park because he felt like it was, it was not good enough for his prowess as a journalist that he should should have access. I'm not joking. He did slap that back because I mentioned to you Ethan yesterday. The one time I agree with FIBA is the way they do it. With FIBA basketball, as soon as the as soon as soon the, the siren goes or horn goes, you walk off the court, you're caught on into a, a mixed media zone, and anyone can stop you at any point. You're in full uniform, so they get a nice little screen grab. You give your interview, and then once you're done with everyone, you go to the locker room. Um, I'm, I'm cool with that too because I think sometimes there are some things in the locker room that are in a sanctum. So don't believe Ethan. He he knocks that, back, that a- after out of the park a tough briefly. loss, though. So. <laughs> I want That's the good really stuff. There's the stuff issues, like there, how there, they get you the
0: right off to it. <laughs> I've, I've seen, I've seen it. I mean, you can just get better stuff. You can just get better stuff in the locker room than in another setting. But some of that stuff is stuff they don't want shown or seen. I remember uh, Andrew breaking up, not a physical fight, but let's say a rough interaction between teammates. And I just remember you, Andrew, yelling, not in front of the media, not in front of the media. <laughs>
6: Yeah, exactly. Because no one knew the context, they were just play fighting, Ethan. See, that's why <laughs> it was not play fighting. <laughs> but to your point, to your point about Adam Silver not wanting that
5: that uh, image or that that you know bad things are said in locker rooms get out. It's like record anyone's conversation at a lunch, at a brunch, at a dinner, at a nightclub. Like yeah record anyone 's conversation that they don 't know is being recorded, and those people will get cancelled from their jobs like yeah, i don
1: 't know andrew that we 're in a world where everybody is so virtuous, except for the people who aren 't
5: <laughs> exactly right, but it 's just a joke it just become a, like it 's like really like you 've never said a bad word about someone else or or, or this or that or that or this or you know oh look look at that waitress she's pretty that, that'll get you in trouble these days those conversations happen every minute of the day between almost every group of people you know especially with alcohol involved so adam silver sitting on that high horse not trying to portray that brand it's like are we are we that that soft as a society that we don't think nba players are talking about booties and, and ass and, and women and all that in the locker room like reality check they are. <laughs> it, is yeah. what it is. well yeah i
0: mean I, I totally agree with you on that, that all of our private conversations would damn us. And if all the group chats leaked out of everybody uh, in the country, then we would be just completely screwed. But it also, I do think that the pro athlete culture is different from your standard office culture. And I never looked at that with judgment. I never looked at that going, oh, my God, disgusting. Ugh oh, the way they talk about women. Awful. That's not... You just have an understanding that this is a different culture. It has a different set of incentives. It's not like when I was working at Yelp. These dudes are fighting (laughs) over hundreds of millions of dollars in front of massive crowds. Uh, It's a different thing. And so there's just an understanding that it almost like does the NBA have almost a different morality is what I'm saying, Andrew, than the standard office place. And that you kind of just have to you kind of just have to know that and get that.
6: Well, the different morality is this. It's finances and a lot of money and people knowing who you are brings a lot more confidence to say things you probably wouldn't in an office. Simple as that. So yeah. that, that's my opinion. I think many NBA players work in an office, they'd be similar to the office culture. But once you get a bit of money, you know, nice clothes and jewelry, nice watch, nice car – Nice girl on your arm, then you're probably more confident to say whatever the hell you want. And I think that's what you see in a locker room. And I think from people coming from an office like yourself, it's like, holy shit, this is kind of crazy. This is, we can't believe they're talking about this, but that is an NBA locker room, a pro sports locker room, an NFL locker room. And people who think otherwise and think it's just people sitting around strategizing for three hours before a game, um, <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Well, there's more Do you homophobia. Think that they back yeah.
1: themselves into a corner marketing this sport as so like socially conscious and advanced
6: a little bit
5: yeah because it is hypocritical if that's where you're getting to and I, i've always said that i've always said like as much as i disliked or, or liked trump i wasn't i wasn't a huge fan of his but i wasn't all in against his like you know russia gate and all that i was kind of just like eh. oh today he said some stupid shit what else is new right but as soon as he said that, that that NBA locker room talk thing and we had athletes double down saying there's no such thing as that, I was like, whoa, hilarious. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> it's hilarious.
6: <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. I I, 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 I my take I on like, that. This, is, is, this I, is all false.
0: Yeah. Like I've heard some crazy shit and I'm police, as Andre would say. I can only imagine what it's like when I'm not around. The idea that that guys don't talk like that in the NBA locker room. That was just absurd, absurd performance around that time. Yeah, uh, it, it's uh, All right, I'm not going to also... take over
6: your chat. you got some fans to talk to. You've got some fans to talk to. So Rogue Bogues is better than this one. So make sure you follow Rogue Bogues. Call in. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Oh, Bye-bye. God. Bye-bye. All right. Andrew. See <laughs> you. you. for
1: calling it. We appreciate it. See
0: you, One of us appreciates it. See you. Well, that was fun. That was good perspective right there.
1: That was um, that was a surprise to me. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know,
1: brought me back. I think brought me back that, to some memories. Ted Thompson has to be crestfallen that he just got passed as the most famous random calling guest. <laughs> well we can try to add
0: more as time goes on so uh i actually might wrap this one up a little earlier than usual because apparently i just got a text from my wife saying that just because i've been silent uh, it doesn't mean that things are going great the the kid is running in and out of the bedroom in and out of the bedroom uh constantly um
1: so i think i'm gonna wrap up here you know that's what you can do all good with me Um, We'll do this again next week, I presume. Uh, Thanks to everyone for listening this far and everyone who called in. Uh, Really good questions, as always. I'm really impressed by the level of people that um, consume this platform. I'm impressed as well. And I would, you know,
0: put a challenge out there to Mike Procopio, uh, Andrew Bogut's uh, guest, not guest, what did I say, co-host? But he's, he's always coming come to this chat, not asking any questions. So, Mike, I can see you. I can see you in there next time. You've got to actually ask a question. Everybody, thanks so much for calling in. Thanks so much for listening. We were very excited to add the Android users. Until next time, folks. See you. Bye.